Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Marin, and I'm looking ahead to that golden and glorious latter third of my life. Forget that I sowed wild oats. And Tim is here to school us in his ways and to tell us how living in It's Not About Me life is not merely a stage of life value, but a follower of Jesus value. But before we trip over our own feet, <laughs> now that the good Lord has given us rejects his hands and outfitted us each with custom yokes, please welcome your favorite non-itinerant preachers, Tim and Amy. Good day. <laughs> good day, Marin. What an Intro. My goodness. Yeah, wow. I, am I really so, try to deliver. You I know. Yeah, you proud did. Of my you. gosh. <laughs> I've got really big shoes to fill. Wow. Literally, friend of the pod, I'm sitting in Tyler's seat. Mm-hmm. I have all the power. Yay! <laughs> for the first time in my four years on this podcast. I hope he listens someday and hears me say how lovely it is to see you Mary, in, his, in his seat. Yeah. And also he will find out that he's replaceable. Hey. Settle that down. Is, <laughs> that is true, Tim. That is true. I learned how to work these sound bites approximately five minutes ago. So mm. this is going to be a blast. I hope there's 400 sound bites in this because you're just having so much fun. Over there I am pretty, pretty trigger. How dare you? Pretty trigger happy right now. <laughs> they're, they're all here. They're all right here in front of the pod. It's amazing. Can you tell what you're pressing before you press it? I can if I'm fast enough. But now I understand. Like sometimes Tyler hits a sound bite and it's like a full 30 seconds after the joke is right. passed. Yep. It's because he's scrolling through page oh, upon page oh, upon yeah, page yeah, of it. sound bites. Wow, that's I'm a lot. I'm an emotional person. Yeah, but they're all here. <laughs> they're all here. All the heavy hitters all are here. Them. Guys, awesome. what is new? Wow, so much. <laughs> Amy, I'm expecting at some point, maybe now, give us an update on where we're at with the show. The show, The Little Mermaid. I can't believe that we are... What is today? The 14th? Are we the 14th of January? No, not no. yet. No. No, 12th. 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 Yeah. You're so two days ahead less, of us. Less than a month. We, no. Oh gosh. I see. This is where my head is. This is why I, I can't even think straight. Uh, we opened February 25th. So we're a month and a half away. Yes. But we took a three week break over the holidays, which I'm telling any directors out there is not advisable when you're doing a show. It's a long, it's a long break for people to forget everything you taught them for the first seven weeks of rehearsal. But actually I've been very pleasantly surprised at how well everybody has regrouped mm-hmm. and knows their stuff and we're moving forward and, um, adding pieces now, watching the the set get built in our shop back here. And I have to sing, you know, Jim Swanson's praises because he is amazing. He's a retired man, part of our congregation that just comes and does all sorts of work. And yeah, I, I saw him last week and he said there, you are using the same, I guess it's a, uh, balcony or bridge thing that was in one of the other performances. And then I got to thinking that thing is not in storage. So what he meant, and then I saw him again today and he was building it. And I said, so you're just using the plans from it. Right, exactly. Yeah, I have to build it again. (laughs) We didn't save it. So I thought he had saved himself a lot of work, but he had, no, he hadn't. He did not, but but he's got a good crew and, and they're working hard. And so now it's just, you know, fine tuning everything and making it look really good and adding all the technical pieces. And so it's exciting and fun. And just, I I will say, you know, leaving your house when it's nine degrees out to go to rehearsal is a little tough for people. Um, But once I'm here, I just, it's just joy to be around and to watch people dance and watch them sing and be together. And the community that's already being built is so beautiful. That's a hundred percent true. Getting here is, is the tough. hardest part. But <laughs> once we're here and we're singing and we're yep. laughing, it, yep. the hours go by so quickly they and we're really all do. just having such a good time. Yep. I was excited because I don't know if a lot of our listeners will know, but we have like a, essentially a wood shop, yep. like just a few feet away from where we're recording this podcast. Yes. So walking in and having it smell like freshly cut wood, like you can tell that they're working. It smells like a Menards mm-hmm. in here. You can tell that they're working <laughs> on the set and that gets really exciting. Things are starting to take shape and come together. Yeah. And we have artists too, that are just like so excited, like Rich Stolt and Paul Santiliano who love creating things that are cool and adding little, you know, seahorses to this and thrones. And can I build a chair? 
chariot for King Triton to come in on. Like they're coming up with extra work for themselves because they just, I think I forget that they find as much joy in doing that as the singers and dancers find in getting to sing and dance. So it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Yep. So we're, we're rolling along. Now is that, is that pretty much dominating your life right now? Um, it kind of, except there's all sorts of other things happening in, you know, I'm speaking this weekend. Right. And so that's dominated my world. So like I finish writing stuff and then I'm like, oh, I have to block a few scenes tonight at rehearsal. I might want to look at my script before I show up. Yeah, and then yeah. I go. So I, I think I've gotten really good at car- compartmentalizing. I don't know. I think we all kind of have to figure out how to do that, especially when you're working in ministry, because sometimes you've got to go cry with someone for a little bit mm-hmm, and then right. go and help somebody do something that's really exciting and wonderful. And then you've got to go home and be mom or dad or friend or, or spouse or whatever that looks like. And then go be director or go be participant in the show or so you just learn how to compartmentalize and do what you need to do in that moment right there. And then leave that behind for a little bit and go do what you need to do over here for a little bit. And yeah, co- yeah. definitely. So that's what I'm doing is compartmentalizing everything right You're now. You're doing a, a great job of it. Amy. Thank you, Maren. Way to compartmentalize. Thank you. Well, we're, yeah, we're all getting by. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tim, what's new with you? Um, new? What's going on? It uh, doesn't have to be new. I've been playing a lot of guitar in the studio lately. I wondered if you were going to mention that because I didn't, I didn't know if that was like that. something to be kept on the down low, if we were going public with that yet. What I, spurred that on? Like what made you decide, hey, I need to like well, missing it or? No, I, I had done a couple of songs that were almost finished a few, a couple of years ago. And I went to see Alan Johnson, who is the engineer at Static Shack, and that's a recording, a really wonderful recording studio that I used to own for a while. And this is new to me. Yeah, me too. I had no idea. Tim, so many people know about your theological background, your landscaping background. I I feel like few people really know about your musical background. I keep That's waiting okay, for you to it? pull out cousins from Venus, like on, in your message somewhere. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that uh. though. Though I had a really interesting conversation um, just a couple of weeks ago with uh, Jennifer's uncle, who is, uh, I, I don't think it's probably appropriate for me to talk about how high he was at RCA. <laughs> Gird your loins. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but he talked to me about when Cousins from Venus were working with RCA and he talked to me, frankly, after decades since that all went down about how close we were and what actually happened mm-hmm. and how, and, and so that's a, Marin, you've heard the band uh, live in a, yeah, so. I have, and it's, it's awesome. It's fantastic. Well, I appreciate that from you and. But the music you're recording now isn't like what Not you like were doing that back at then. All. No, right. but the, and so I think we're just shocked about you owning the studio. We didn't. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> that's the part we didn't know about. Yeah. You owned a studio. I did, and it went like th- quickly like this. It, it's a an amazing place, and the guy that owned it had a a alcohol problem, okay. and. He died and we'd done some interventions and I'd done a lot of work there just as a guitar player and as a musician. And we recorded the Cousins album there. And um, what happened was his dad came in with some other people to try to take over the studio. And I was in the middle of recording an album with a band called Generica, which I'm really proud of that album, but it was only half done. And also Tom Griswold, who was with the Bob and Tom show, yeah. they did all of their work there. Like their, like their extras. When they, cause they used to make these comedy oh, records. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. They used to make money off of comedy records. I and grew t- up in Indy, so I and, am well aware of Bob and, and Tom t- and their comedy uh, records. Tom and I have been friends for 40 years and the studio was in tremendous financial difficulty because the owner had died and he had also been a, had an alcohol problem. And 
things, it looked like it was going to close. And we were both in the middle of really important projects. And so Tom came to me and said, this is how much we think we can get this off of their hands and you and I take it over. Hmm. Can you do this? And I could. Yeah. And so it was just a fluke that I ended up owning it. And we owned it together for about two years. And then he came to me one time and said, Tim, you don't need to be, this is just not important in your life. I know that's going to be here all the time, but you're putting a lot of time into meeting with us and with accountants and lawyers mm -hmm. about the, all this stuff in, I would like to buy you out. So he bought me out. Nice. And, so and, I, and it still exists. It's still oh, there. Yeah. And that's it's awesome. a great place. And the guy that's the engineer has been there from the beginning. Wow. Alan, and he is the sweetest guy. So, mm. so I'm back in the studio because we wanted to finish those two songs or, and then I've been doing some other stuff and we're working towards a project, but it's nothing like what I've done before. So when you say we, you're working with other musicians then? Well, when I say we, I mean Jennifer and I mean Alan mm -hmm. and we'll bring other people in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll bring what is your plans for this project? Well, the initial thought was just to have it because my children have heard this music in the house for all of their lives. And I'm at an age where I don't have, I'm, I, I don't know how long I'll have a voice I don't know how long I'll, I'll be around. The latter third. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave the initial prospects of, or the original project was simply for the family, but I, I've had a few people listen to the base foundational things that we've done. Cause all I've, we've, we're working on the two tunes that we had like I want Bethany Robinson to come in and mm -hmm. redo the bass on it. And I want, I asked Scott Naylor to come in and put some guitar on because I just like working with people yeah. I love and I, they've not said anything to me about it. I <laughs> sent them the music and they've not responded. So I'm either worried that they're too busy or that they hated it and they don't know how to tell me. One of the but, great woes of my life right now is that I don't play accordion. Yeah. Tim asked me if I played accordion the other day and sadly I had to tell him no. Otherwise I might've be been able to have some fun. <laughs> Well, I have two accordion players that I can work with and they're, they're very different personalities and people in my life. And so I have to decide which, <laughs> which personality which, which you dark, want to go with. dark or pleasant road <laughs> I want to go down. But, um, but tell us what kind of music. Cause I was, I was surprised at this. I know you have a blues background. I have a blues background and a rock background, but I that's do. not really what you're recording. No, this is all very traditional Irish and early rough American folk music. All of the beds are just me playing with my guitar. And that's what we have so far. There's no, we haven't put anything else on it. And this is a, a pro, this is a two part project because eventually I want to do some other stuff just like this with Tom Doherty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Tom, Tom and I talked about it and I'm doing what I'm doing with Alan right now. And then we're going to come back later and we'll do another project with Tom because he really wants to do, he lived with us for two mm -hmm. years and he heard me playing this music too. That's awesome. And I got plenty of tunes. Yeah. So. So are you in the studio one night a week, two nights a week? What are we talking? Uh, it just depends on when we're open. I've had a couple of weeks where I've gone in once a week and then there've been a couple that I've gone in a couple of days. So it's just whenever I record on a day when I, I can squeeze in from 11. Alan has a special needs son. Mm. And so he needs to not start till 11 because he has to deal with the special needs yeah. issues and get everything according to Hoyle at home. And so we, if, when I can go from 11 to two and he can go from 11 to two, we try to get it in there. Mm -hmm. but that's the way it's working. It's been a joy. It's really um, testing my confidence mm. because, well, you know, Marin, that you, you, I could sit in my living room and play these songs and sing them and it's just wonderful. But then when you have to go oh, play yeah. it perfectly, yeah. 
<laughs> and it's just you. And when you go in the room to listen to it back, it's, it's not like playing a keyboard where the keyboard just, I mean, if you make a mistake, it, it's, yeah. but when you're playing a guitar, it's, there's a lot at stake, mm-hmm. especially with just an acoustic guitar and then your voice. And it's been, it's been taking me back to my roots as a musician mm. and I love it. I've loved it. The process is so uh, genuinely heartfelt. And Alan, just as Tom, Alan had to learn to love this music. Tom already loves the music and I'm, I'm looking forward to working with him at another time, but to see Alan become aware of what it is we're doing, you know, cause he didn't have any, he didn't know that I played this music either. Cause he's always known me as somebody who comes in and does very different. Yeah. Last time I really worked with him. Well, no, he heard those two tunes that I were finishing, but he didn't know why back then. Now he knows why. And it's just been a joy. That's awesome. And it's it, a joy for me to see you playing music again. Oh, thank you. I mean, I didn't know you when you were playing music all the time. And I think for a lot of people, our Christmas Eve service may have been the first time they realized you played and you sang and your wife sang with you. Yeah. And she's just crazy talented. Yeah. And it's so cool to be out in the, and I, you need to come there sometime, Marin, and see the space because it's such a wonderful place. And to be out in the big room and then you look through the, into the control room and you see Alan at the board and you see my wife behind him and she, you could, and you can see her expression. And I know, and it's just almost like a, it's just a sweetness because uh-huh. we haven't put any of her stuff on yet. And yet to, to know that she's going to tell me when it's good or when it's not good and, or that I have a better take or, or let's do this. And it's just so wonderful to do this with her together. So that's awesome. I cannot wait to uh, hear it when it's finished. Well, it's, it's going to be rough, you know, because the point of it is the music is not processed as far. Which is exactly why I will love it. So <laughs> I can't wait to hear well, it. Well, thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate you yeah. even being interested because my, I, one of my daughters, Emily, I've been sending her things as I've been sending the kids stuff as we've been going along, just so they get an idea where we are since it's for them. Yeah. That's what I love about it. And Emily it? says, dad, I can't listen to it without crying. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's and, where you know, it's at. Like, that you know, is it. Uh, well, the song that she was saying that about was a song called Acres of Clams. You know, <laughs> it's like, honey, it's about a guy who goes, gives up mining and just goes to Seattle and starts living in a, he said, what's the last line? I think of my happy condition surrounded by acres of clams. That's how it goes. Yeah. You know, it's like. Beautiful. Yeah. That's anyway, awesome. It's because yeah. it's their whole life. Like yeah, that's what I love. Life. I, yeah, it's I their think whole that's life. so. So many people don't think about like, and not that, but leaving pieces behind of mm-hmm. yourself so that your, your kids, your grandkids, their kids all have these pieces of people that were super important and influential in their lives. And I just think that's really, really cool. Yeah. I got to take my son uh, to Chicago this yes. weekend. Yes, mm. I saw see, the video. To <laughs> see a show. And you're talking about leaving pieces behind. I'm pretty good at going to shows. And by that, I mean, I know how to get up front. Mm-hmm. I know how to get the spot I want. Yep. I know how to get stuff for free. Right. So I had been at this concert venue <laughs> a couple of months ago, maybe a month and a half ago by now with Desiree to take her to see one of her favorite artists and notice they had like the show poster for the concert we went to this last weekend, it was an advertisement, but it had the date and it had mm-hmm. the venue and full color. And it's just a really cool looking collector's piece. And that's at that point, I'm thinking, all right, do I just, okay, I'm a pastor. I shouldn't say this, but I'm thinking, do it. I steal it <laughs> right. or do I wait and try to do this on the up and up? So we, we were one of the first people at the venue. We were absolutely the first people into the room once the doors opened. And I said to one of the bouncers, Hey, now that it's the day of the show, you care if I take that poster? So of course they gave it to me and it was just <laughs> my highest awesome. honor to be able to bestow that upon my son. That's awesome. uh, and then I waited until they hit their last note and dove onto the stage and snatched the set list. So again, all for my son, yep. all for my son, wow. pieces of me leaving yep. behind. Wow. Yep. <laughs> 
that that is really brazen. I'm a, <laughs> dive on the stage. I've done that for my son, but it's been at NBA basketball games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I have gotten him uh, inv- invites for meet and greets after the basketball game because oh. I'm the loudest voice in the room <laughs> yelling at the players to come over. You know, when it's a shoot around, that's what you do. We wouldn't do for our kids. And they're embarrassed of that big mouth most of the time, but, or the boldness that you're showing. But when it comes to them and getting them things, it's all good. That's it. And now I'm a hero. So of course you are, (laughs) as you should be. Yeah. The video was awesome. Yeah. From watching uh, not only Jaden in love every second, but Jed (laughs) behind you was like the most hilarious. Excuse my ignorance. Who'd you see? We went and saw a band called Me Without You, and they've been a favorite of my son and I's for over a decade now, at least. Mm. Are they Um, out of Chicago? Like, is that their- No, they're out of, I want to say Philadelphia. They're out of like the Pennsylvania, out of Pennsylvania, but they've been around since at least 2004. Um, My son has been a fan since he was about eight years old. Um, they're really known for their, their music is awesome, but they're really known for their lyrics. Lyrically, it's just, it's not obvious. Their messages are not obvious and it's very poetic and mysterious and awesome and whatever. We just love them so, so, so much. So he turned 18 December 18th Mm. and this was an 18 and over show. So it was like the first time he was old enough to go to a show. That was super, super cool. cool. So it was cool. The, the venue was about, I don't know, five blocks away from where we used to live. Mm. So just being in our old neighborhood was super awesome. And well, I was great because Jed was definitely enjoying himself too. Yeah, People fun. don't realize Jed can dance. Oh yeah. Jed I know that from a, a wedding time. I was at yes, with Jed. You I was do. like, that man can move. Jed good dominated job. the yes, dance floor did. that uh, night. Yes, he did. Okay. I am trying to picture myself <laughs> as an 18 year old. I know what I was up to going to a concert with my parents. <laughs> I'm going to say this because I did know your parents. I Were they as cool as Marin and Jed? Because they're no. pretty cool. My parents were No, cool. they, they were <laughs> nice people, but they Jed and nice Marin are pretty cool. They were not. Yeah, they're I, not cool. I don't think that yeah. I'm cool. I think that my son is cool yeah. because it's so cool that like going to a show with my son is like going to a show with my friends. Mm-hmm. Right. This was, I think it was, I shouldn't use the word mosh pit because it's not a traditional mosh pit as I knew it growing up. Sure. But we're dancing around and people are pushing each other and it's, it's a good time. Jaden, the way that he described it on the drive home, he's like, it's all, it's like we were all feeling the music at the exact same time. Like he was trying to put words to the experience, the communal experience of loving a band and the way that the crowd even moves as one. And Mm -hmm. we wore two masks. The band asked if everyone would double masks. So Mm -hmm. we did that. I would have wore 16 masks if they asked me to. It was a dream to be able to take my son to this show and everyone yeah, everyone just had a really good time. It was just awesome. I'm That's happy. That's so fun. I yeah. love that. Yeah, I'm not the cool one. My son is the cool one. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. I think you and Jed are pretty cool parents. Now, <laughs> I will give us props. I mean, you did get the show poster and the set list. I did that do is, that. That's cool. I mom. did do that. And I was up at 5.30 that morning because- this was on a Sunday night. Yes. So I came here. I led worship. Tim gave a message. Yep. Then I drove to Chicago. <laughs> Went then to a I concert. Saw a show with my son. Yes, that was all on Sunday. So Tim. Yes. You gave the message. I did. On Sunday, right I before did. I had to leave. Remind me. Give us all the big idea of your message. Uh, the big idea was this week was since the series is it's not about me. Then the, this was the week where we said, if, if it's not about me, then what is it about? And it, the main topic was that it's about Jesus. And so we had, we chose text where Jesus actually said that it was about him. He didn't say it directly, but he said it in a different way. And so that's what we did. We talked about that. Yeah. And what were your what were some of your main points of this message? What were you wanting the people to go home with? Cause you even said saying it's all about Jesus is kind of like, it almost seems like too easy of an answer, right? Like that story of that kid being shown a picture of a rabbit, of a rabbit. Right. And he's like, I think it's I'm Jesus. supposed to say Jesus. Yeah. Right. Like it, it's kind of a given if it's not about me and we're talking about this in the context of a church, of course it's about Jesus. Right. Well, the point was to, 
uh, take people back to what Jesus himself said when he told told uh, his disciples who he was and and when you realize the depth of what he was actually speaking about when he said, my father has given everything to me, he has entrusted everything to me. And then you see that his intentions of having it all has to do with our lives. It makes it a, a much easier acceptance that it's about him. Mm-hmm. Because when it's about him, then he turns all of that everything back in the way that he can care for us and lead us in the world and what he expects from us and, and all these things that that just makes that cliche that it's all about Jesus into something very personal and powerful. And that's what I was trying to say. That's what I was trying to say. So you started off by saying, by identifying yourself as being in the latter third. Did I say that? You sure did. The latter third of life. And you, you even went as far as to say, you kind of were were hoping that Barry in his message last week would, would give you an out. You know, if you've, if you've reached a certain age, if you've put in your time, you know, you, you, you could tune us out for this. It's not about me stuff. Right. And I get that fed to me in all kinds of ways. And it isn't subtle if I hate to say it, but I get all the AARP magazines and <laughs> bulletins and stuff. And they're all telling you how you can do what you want to do. And, and even like financial dudes, when they're helping you put your, um, retirement together. It's so that you can live the life that you finally wanted to always mm-hmm. live oh, yeah. once you retire. And there's something also about the fact that I'm allowed to get cranky in my old age about, I don't want to do that. And I'm only going to do what I want to do. Please don't tell and, me that's not true. Oh. All my friends from the time we were teenagers just wanted to like have a get out of jail free card, like be as cranky as you want once you reach a certain age. Is well, that not true? It, well, It's probably true for a lot of people, but I don't think as followers of Christ that there's ever a time when you get to turn off the other centered, uh, turn that dial off and and suddenly get to just focus on yourself. I will say that as you get older, as I've gotten older, I can tell the difference between that which is important and that which is not important. And I can say no to that, which is not important. But most of the time when I say yes, it doesn't have much to do with me. Mm. Um, yeah. You said the, the value of, of it being not about me is not a stage of life value. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a follower of Jesus value and it's true. Which made me wonder, does that value of it not being about me, does it look different at different stages of life? Oh, absolutely. I absolutely. Because I'm not, I'm not in a stage where my primary function is to be a worker bee, if you will. My, my stage of life is to, to live into the experiences, experience of, and I, I hate to use the word wisdom, but there is some wisdom if you're paying attention though, I'm, I think I told you before I went to my 50th high school reunion and I was thinking, didn't these people learn what I've been learning all along? I thought we were all learning the same stuff. Clearly not. But that being said, there's a, I, I'm at a stage where I can find great joy in facilitating other people who have a different kind of energy and, and uh, capacity and even, desire of what they want to do in life and help them do that the best they can and be comfortable with that. I am not bothered by not being the one who's doing everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there are different, those that looks differently in different, the most, it's not about me thing that I've really realized in this stage of my life is particularly with, with you all because, and Barry and, singularly particular, I get, I get far more joy out of him being successful and growing and doing and making good decisions because I've already, I mean, I was a part of the building of the foundation of Mm -hmm. what grace is. 
And it's made it possible for this next generation of leaders to move into something where they don't have to recreate a new foundation, start from scratch. And I don't need, I don't need to be in the front all the time anymore because that's a stage of life Mm -hmm. that I'm in. And that's, it's not about me. It's, and I also know that the reason we're talking about it's not about me is because Barry thinks it's not about me. And my mm-hmm. goodness, how wonderful is that to know that the person who's moving into central leadership believes that it's not about him. Yeah. And he lives that out very, very um, well, like we see it up, up front and personal. And I just think too, Tim, you're, you know, even listening to you speak about this in the latter years of the latter third. Um one of the areas that I see you and I exemplifying this so much is by sticking around and staying with us um, when it would be really easy for you right now to say, you know, I've, I've done, I've been here a long time. I built, helped build the foundation. I've, I've been a part of lots of hard conversations and robust conversations and decisions. And you could say it's time for me to step away. And there will be that time. And you know, that it's coming at some point here, but you have made the conscious choice to stay when it would be easier and maybe more comfortable for you to, to be done now and stay with us to help us navigate our next steps. Yeah. It's, that's been really cool. Well, thanks. I don't, I, it was not, it's not a hard decision for me to stay though. Yeah. It's well, not, we appreciate, I'm just saying, I think that's really a place where that's been a gift to us to have, to be oh, able to have you, you with us and helping us navigate things and giving us wise counsel, which is another thing that you've earned that through your years of, <laughs> From you've, many, of being here. Many right? mistakes. No. Many mistakes. Yeah. So. so that's, that's cool for us for sure. So your message was out of Matthew uh, 11, was it? Yes. Matthew 11. Um, verses 27 through 30. Those were the primary ones, but I covered a bunch of the chapter to contextualize the, what Jesus was saying. Right. You gave us a little bit of background. Um, (laughs) I found it interesting that you said the same people who criticized John the Baptist for being too strict were criticizing Jesus for being too loose for for not being strict enough. Yeah. He's, he says that straight up and, that chapter. And that's where he talks about the children with the flutes who said, play a dirge and Mm -hmm. you weren't happy and play a dance tune and you weren't happy. It's the same kind of, that's what he's talking Mm -hmm. about. Yeah. Yeah. So you said that Jesus was telling these people that, that God had entrusted him with everything, but not in a way of like, look at me, God gave me everything, but you can come to me because he's entrusted everything to me. Right. And I will care for you. I was surprised that that, I know I've read this before, but sometimes it hits me in a fresh new way. I was surprised that that is what flows into the, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. On the surface, it doesn't seem like the two go together. Well, I think we need to dramatize it at some level. He's been talking about how people are rejecting him and not, and he says that section where he goes, all you places where I perform miracles and you didn't follow me. You name some cities. It'll be worse for you than Sodom and mm-hmm. all. He says all that stuff. And, and I, I feel like he said it slowly. Like he goes, and I said, I can see him standing there thinking about it. And then say with a look on his face, okay, all these people that don't want to have anything to do with me for reasons that are, are inappropriate really, but they're, they're bad reasons. Well, I'm just going to just tell you who I really am. Mm -hmm. And once he tells them who he really is, then he goes to, and to what he will do with the power he has been and authority he has been given. And what he does is he, moves into our lives in ways that he can lead us to rest, no matter how difficult the work might be to work for him because it demands a yoke. He's still leading us to one place and that is rest to our entire beings. 
And so he's saying, I am, it's, it is literally all about me. And I'm using all of the, all that I've been given to bring something into your life that is worthy of seeking, which is rest. And the, the, I keep thinking about, I said that 95% of the people of the time were manual workers of right. some kind. And when somebody offers them rest, that's just unimaginable because they, now the Jews had to practice the Sabbath, but we don't know that they were all that, <clears throat> that strict on following it. And nobody else in the world followed a Sabbath structure, seven day week. Mm -hmm. And so labor was constant. And even just to get through the day to bring water into the home and to make food and all that was so much more difficult than we can imagine. And so Jesus offering rest saying, I'm, I've been given this authority from my father. I've been given everything and I'm not going to use it to lord it over you. I'm not going to use it to my own benefit. I'm going to use it to your benefit. That's why it works together because he's expressing who he is to them and is totally unexpected. And the aspect of him bringing pointing people to himself. That's completely outside of rabbinical teaching of the time. Nobody ever took credit for anything. They said, as so-and-so said, or as the rabbis of this time said, they would always focus on someone else, not themselves as being the source of something. He doesn't go there at all. He goes, come to me. I, I, and that's unheard of mm. because it is all about him. I had also never heard of the concept of this being a one man yoke. Yeah, me either. I had no. to sit with that for a minute because I think I always thought of the two oxen yoke and that that verse meant, you know, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, then you're going to help me drag this thing along. You're going to help me shoulder this burden. Right. Side by side. That's but that is not, not the kind it, of yoke no, that this is talking about. That's what we're talking about. He's talking about a single person yoke. And most people that did manual labor of any kind had something to help them carry the buckets and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's what he's talking about. Wow. Yeah, that that was one too that I per I was really perking up at that thought of one person yoke. Well, we don't have people. Well, now that's not. There are places in the world where people have yokes mm -hmm. and they work with them. But we, when we think of it, mostly we think of like what cattle would pull or, mm -hmm. or, you know, or horses or something like that when they're pulling something. We don't put yokes on a single animal. We put yokes on double animals. Mm -hmm. And so that sticks in our minds when we think of it, but that's not their world at well, all. Well, even elsewhere in the Bible, when it talks about being unequally yoked. Yeah. Is that referring to a, a side by side? You don't want to have a, a that is. weaker oxen and a stronger oxen because then yes. things are going to be crooked. So I guess maybe that's why I always took that imagery from that passage sure. and ascribed it to this passage, but it's not, it's a, it's a single person. Yeah. I'm going to have to say I'm trusting the <clears throat> scholars who know far more about the language than I do, but it's pretty clear that that's hmm. what he's talking about. Hmm. Yeah. And that they're implied in that is that there will be some heavy lifting. He's, he's not saying come to me and rest and you'll never have to work again. No. But he's saying there's a difference between striving and working yourself into the ground and the, the type of work that, that I give you to do. Right. And the reason is that the work that he calls us to do will in some way be so meaningful and, and clearly so important in, in the kingdom that it will not seem like it's drudgery. It will feel easy because it brings something into our souls that gives us a sense of purpose. That's where we find rest. We find rest in the, in the fact that whatever it is we've been called to do is so meaningful to us in the end. I think that's a hard concept for people to, I think what people think of as finding rest is, is essentially doing for yourself and, and 
going on a vacation right. or um, being able to retire and just go, you know, do whatever you want to do and and not really, I don't want to say, um, I don't want to like shame anyone for, for going to warmer climates for part of the, like you can still live out a purposeful life wherever you go. But I just feel like there's a mindset, particularly in the areas that we live in right now, that rest is really kind of all about me. Rest, rest is what can I get? How can I feel better? And I think there's so much, so many of us missing that purpose of, of life and the meaning and the rest that can be found in doing work that is meaningful and work that has a much greater purpose and higher purpose sure. than, um, you know, or even like the, the phrase self-care, don't mm-hmm. we just hear that everywhere now? Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's, there's a temptation for an imbalance. If I'm thinking of self-care as merely that just me mm-hmm. going away, focusing right. on me, taking care of myself when Jesus is still offering me the invitation to come to him, what would it look like to practice whatever variation of self-care that you're thinking of? What would it look like to do that with Jesus? Mm-hmm. Right. What would it look like for me to to get away? Because Jesus had to get away, but he got away with the father. Mm-hmm. He went away to pray and to be alone, but, but he didn't, he didn't do that to be alone with his own thoughts and with himself, but, but he did that to draw nearer to the father. What would it look like if we, prioritized, you know, the rest and the self-care, but accepting the invitation that Jesus gave us to come to him. Mm -hmm. He said, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. And Tim, you, you gave us a a new understanding of that word heart. Could you talk about that? Well, it's, really clear that in their thinking, they thought that emotional sorts of responses came out of your intestines. And they thought that your rational decision-making was a heart process. So in their language, um, you know, if you, if, like you said, if something sad happens, we would say, oh, it just breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. But they would think, oh, it just breaks my intestines. Well, they wouldn't say breaks, breaks my, my intestines, intestines but just they like would that. say it's, yeah, it's um, in the bowels of my being or mm. something to that. Hmm. Yeah. And so I, I said, figuring that out and really taking it to heart, if I can say that, makes a lot of scripture different because when every time you run into something in someone's heart, they're talking about logical decisions of practicality that they're not talking about emotional responses unless the translator is translating the word that gives us bowels or intestines as heart, but they don't usually because cardia in Greek, it just, they just go straight to heart. But it made, it's made me rethink almost all of that stuff because it's a completely different idea that the things that the scripture are talking about being related to. I When I was a kid, they used to say that people missed Jesus by 12 inches and they'd say they, <laughs> they had it in their head, had him in God oh, in right, their head, right. but they you didn't have it in their, their heart. heart. You know, and, but because the word heart is so often in the text, but that's, now, there's probably some scholar out there who's going to call in and say that he's crazy and he doesn't know what he's talking about. Do we but let I people call in? That's why we don't have call-ins. Do call so call but I, but I, it's had a huge <laughs> impact on the way that I read the scripture because when we run into the heart stuff, it's not talking about an emotional response to anything. Is that elsewhere in scripture? So everywhere I see the word heart, if ancient thinkers thought of the heart more as the function of the brain, you know, where, where rational thought comes from. When I read scriptures like above all else, guard your heart. Now this is old Testament, but above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Right. That's the practical decisions that you make about what you want to, that the 
moment that you think it through and decide you want to do it. It's not saying guard your heart against like sadness, sadness or, or something. Like, no, it's saying guard the way you think. There is a sense of mind, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure what that fully means. I need to look at that in the Greek because they didn't have a sense that your mind had much to do with anything in terms of cognitive processes. But it was, and, and the reason has more to do with the way that they thought of them as functioning because your heart is this constant, steady, pounding machine. Because they never had anybody tell them that it was the place of their emotions. Mm. But where you feel stuff primarily in your being and where, like, mm. where you it, that I mean, you know what it is when you're, yeah. you're, you're you sick, feel you're things, sick to your stomach about your, something. Yeah, or, yeah, and they saw that as the that's where it came from. It just made sense to them. Compassion in your guts. Barry yeah, talks guts. about that a lot. Yeah. Well, that's because that word means your bowel, your intestines. Yeah. yeah. It's a great big funky sounding Greek word that I. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. But it's one of my favorites. But that's what it is. But that's. So I've been rethinking all of that stuff because it might make a whole lot of scripture seem a bit different mm -hmm. and, and better. Yeah. And it makes you just look at your heart in a different way that our responses maybe aren't as much emotional right. as they, as we think they are, or maybe we're making them more emotional than they should be. Like it's, or the it's, text yeah. more emotional. Right. I, than it yeah, should be. Yeah. I, I don't. I'm not calling for us to stop saying in a sermon that I, with the, I hope this touches your heart or this really touched my heart because that's our culture. Right. Right. It makes sense in our context. Right. But we need to also recontextualize the original t words because they're not thinking the same things that we are when they say that. Right. And, and it changes, it then changes it for our context. Right. Yeah. Right. There's so much of that. You know, that's one of the books I wanted to write, which was where does, what are the, con, what are the things that were given in their world that may or that we, a lot of it is we found that it's not even true, but God still, he doesn't correct their misconceptions of the world. Mm. He uses those to say a higher truth. And let's be honest, our hearts have nothing to do with our emotional feelings. Sorry, right. Within the physical right. body, right. the heart has right. a function. And it's not It doesn't emotional. have anything to do with emotions. And yet people, we live in that space. Mm -hmm. We live in, in that space. So. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's interesting that, I mean, even talking about finding your rest, where, where are we finding our self-care and all of that stuff? It really is, this is kind of the centerpiece for the rest of the, because it's, it is where you find your rest. It is your connection and your transformation through, um, Christ that allows you then right. to put your community above yourself, right. to put, to love your enemies, to enter into discipleship with other people. Like if, if you don't start here, yeah. you don't have the tools, right. you don't have, there's nothing about you that is capable of doing what we're asking in the next three weeks. Right. If you don't start here with what you talked about this weekend. Right. And, and knowing that the person that it's all about speaks of his, the essence of who he is as being gentle and humble. Right. Yeah. Sets us up for, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all uh, flowing out from the one who has been given everything and trusted with everything. Saying that it's not about me can't just be about me. And, and that's, that's one of my fears is I, I feel like sometimes we can, I've, I've known people who have gone to extremes to prove that it's not about right. them, but, and I mean, gone to extremes, like chosen to live in extreme poverty here, here in America, chosen to, uh, couch surf or to not mm -hmm. own property because it's, mm -hmm. it's not about them, but it's in a way it was a, <laughs> If that, if that kind of selflessness is apart from 
the heart of God and, and his will for your life, then isn't it just more the same? Isn't right. that just another way of making it all about you? Yep. Look at how, um, selfless I am. Right. Exactly. Look at how it's like what humble I am. What we talk about with the, you know, the, the selfies that you're trying to look like you're not what, what right. Mary has used it a couple of times as an example where is it oh, Gen yeah. Z or yeah, whatever? Yeah, that, yeah. You're like intentionally trying to look silly or right. like something yeah. that it's not supposed to be about you, but it really, it, right. it, it, and, and I think that it's really easy to manipulate things into what you like. I'm doing all of this in the guise that it's about the person I'm doing it for, but I'm, but really my motivation is how is this going to reflect on me? What will people, I mean, it is, it is something that you almost have to check at every turn that you're not Mm -hmm. making it about you, even when it looks like it's not about you. It's. I talked about that in my sermon. I didn't say this, but when I was first thinking about being an itinerant speaker, I said, I just want to serve the big C church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What a bunch of rubbish. (laughs) You know, I didn't want to serve the big C church, really. I wanted to have multiple platforms where I had people thinking I was this this brilliant, amazing speaker. Mm. And I probably would have fought with you about it at the time. Sure. But a year after the fact, when I found myself at Ingledow with those, with all those amazing people that were now looking to me as some kind of leader. Ingledow's that company that I worked for. The landscape. The landscaping. Right. Yeah. And um, I suddenly realized that I really wasn't trying to serve the big C church. I was trying to serve me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just think, it, yeah, it's very easy to, like you're saying about the, the that, I think we all, even being in ministry, it's really easy to think, well, I'm doing, of course, it's not about me. I'm, I'm serving all these people. I'm, but, right. but if the motivation and your connection and your, you're not about me, as it flowing from the right place, it can very easily still be very much about you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of leads into uh, where you're taking us, Amy. It sure does. Yeah. Tell us what you're, uh, what you're taking, where are you taking us? Uh, it's not about me. It's about community. Yes. So how do we take our, our transformed and transforming selves because of our, our relationship with Christ and our rest that we find in him and um, use that to show compassion and kindness and gentleness and patience Um to others, to the people in our lives. And yeah, so that's kind of where I'm going. All right. Looking forward to that, Tim. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Oh yeah. It's, it's a joy to be here. Thanks, thanks for, for letting us. me co-host. Can't <laughs> wait for Tyler to hear it. I'm taking over Tyler. You're out. All right. Well then I guess it's my turn to send us out. No one's here to set me up and be like, well, Marin, will you hey, send us Marin, out? Well, hey, Marin, Marin, will you send you? us out? <laughs> sure. I'll try Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your gut. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday.